For example, when a trailer is released much earlier than the film, I read the comment section and people are making their hypothesis on what the film is going to be and this. And I'm like, mm, you're so wrong. You're <laughs> so wrong. Like, completely off. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's, it's hard to keep this here, but it has to be done. This is part of the job. Hello and welcome to Crew Chats podcast, where I speak to the people that work behind the scenes in the film, TV and theatre industry. Today, I spoke to offline and online editor Jamin Min. He studied multimedia design at university and for his final year became interested in the realm of post-production in film. On graduating after doing various internships and working in corporate videos, Jamin got his break into the world of film, working at a trailer house company, where he now works as an offline and online editor. Working not only on traditional trailers for film and TV productions, but games and social media campaigns too. Jamin has worked on, amongst other things, Jumanji, the BBC's The Informer, and trailers for the Peaky Blinders game and Ember Firefighters, to name a few. Hi, Jamin. Hey. Thank you for coming onto the podcast. No worries. Now, you're an offline and online editor in the world, uh, working in the world of making trailers. What does that involve? So let me start off with offline. Offline is basically where you would have all the creative cutting decisions, how you would tell the narrative, decide the music, the copy, um, the emotions, and kind of just general what the audience will feel. Now, it can also depend a lot on what which producer you're also working with, because a producer would have a certain vision, and then your job is to match that vision or a particular brief that you've been given. Um, sometimes it's quite flexible, you can be quite playful, and sometimes you're quite restricted because the client or the producer wants something very specific. So that's kind of um, offline editor in a nutshell. And then, so an online editor kind of differs to dip, depending on uh, where you work. Now in a traditional online post-production facility, that's where you would color grade the whole film by shot by shot. So like we're talking about someone's, an actor's eye people, for example, or just the feel and vibe of the film. So if you're talking about like a horror film, you're looking at like dark color palettes, uh, mid-tones. And then if you're looking at like indie film, summer, you can have like more warmer color palettes. And then depending on what which film or director has um, shot the film, you have a specific look. For example, Michael Bay likes his films all orange and teal, like Transformers, for example. Ah. In different... So that's what, that's what an online facility um Prospection House will normally do is where they grade the film, give it the look, the creative look. And then they also uh, do a bit of technical, it goes a bit, sometimes it goes into the technicality where they're looking at, um, when you're looking at audio and sound, sound systems, so you could do track lane. That's, so the online editor of post-production facility will be doing all the creative look um, of the film. Uh, Trailer House is basically where I work. Um, so we would do loads of marketing advertising for films, um, commercial, but mainly films. So we'll be creating um, trailers for films, trailers for games, creating TV campaigns for films. Uh, we will do social campaigns, as that's now one of the main one of the main things we do. Because I work in a trailer house, a trailer house um, online editor. Sometimes we don't um, touch the look of the film because it's already set in place by the director of the film. Ah, oh, okay, okay. So. When it comes to an online trailer house editor, we'll be um, more or less doing the surface of the grading, like changing the exposure, and then sometimes doing the creative look of the film as well, like the feel and um, the emotion of the film. But like I said, mentioned before, there's there's a technical aspect as well. So we're looking out for like um, any issues like like flash frames, 
um, any glitches, any um, dupe frames. So like a dupe frame, basically, if you're playing and the same frame is like repeated twice or more times, which is basically we're QCing the final piece before it becomes publicly available. So it has to be polished, look good, and be picture perfect. The studios, so for example, Netflix, Universal, Sony, their producers would send us the content and the brief and et cetera, and the budget and all that stuff. And then we will then go back with the brief, a pitch idea, and then take it from there. Okay, now just two things from what you said. Um, in terms of the content, are they sending you content that is already edited to the standard they want the rest of the movie in and then you're doing it or is it raw, almost raw footage? Uh, okay, so this is interesting. So most of the times, what would happen, sometimes we get a film or show one to two years ahead if it's released because some campaigns that start much earlier and there's more work to be done. So we could get potentially a V1 feature. So that would be the first cut of a feature that someone would have done in a post in a proper post-production facility, like cut the whole feature. And after that, we could get multiple different versions of the feature. So I've seen I've seen features film go from V1 to like V7, so like seven different versions wow. of a particular feature. Yeah. And in some cases, there will be the reason why obviously they would have different version is because they will be making narrative changes. So like, for example, I've seen for a film where they change the ending to either a cliffhanger, an open book or something that sets up for a sequel, maybe. So it's always interesting to see how they um, progress in the different versions and the narrative to the final product as well, because sometimes yeah. it's not the same. No. And then are you getting like full? Are you getting, do you have to then watch the full thing in terms of? Yes. So an offline editor would have to watch the whole film and then what we what we call is a breakdown so you would break down the film into make your selects you would make um like all the interesting shots you've got your opening shots you've got your key dialogue um you make all that selects um keep that ready and then it should help with the brief sometimes we get the brief in before we watch the film so we would read the brief and then make selects accordingly to the brief there's another type of breakdown, which we call a dialogue breakdown, is literally breaking down every single dialogue each character says in, in the film, um, where we would make an endpoint and outpoint for every single dialogue. So then we can search through keywords, search for particular sentences. Um, sometimes we have to cheat lines because obviously they don't always make the perfect sentence for us. So as editors, it's our job to sometimes make certain things work in a way if the right lines are there ah i see okay i'm gonna go back to what you mentioned initially about um pitch not you didn't use the term pitching but like you have to send the i guess the, whoever it is production companies netflix or sony whoever yeah. it is you've got to send them a pit uh, an idea of a brief i imagine is that what you said about how yeah. you're going to put together a trailer say for a, a netflix film let's just say for example um how does that work that kind of lies on more of the produ producing side so producers ah, okay. would um work up the deck or the pitch if you will and that would normally consist of like different concepts perhaps our reel some things we've worked on in the past um if there's a new client um we'll definitely include some of our existing work some things that have been released and then if the campaign allows for new concepts then we'll think of like interesting concepts to pitch and then sometimes it's we have the we have the connections or the foundation with other um, companies, other clients, where they just give us the film because they know we've done a great job in the past, mm. um, and then we'll just work from there. Just going back, going back to um, talking about the features and how we receive it sometimes. 
like I mentioned how we sometimes receive it in versions and it can go up to like many X amount of versions. I've we've had a case where we get sent daily. So if there's a time crunch for some reason, we would get the script and the shot list and then all the individual daily shots that they would have shot, the director would have done on set. And some, I think there was one case where they sent us all the different individual dailies and we had to piece up roughly the feature and start cutting because the director or the filmmaker crew wanted to see some sort of rough cut. Like there was a quick turnaround. So that can also happen, but that's, I think that's very rare. And from what I've seen is probably just once. Just in terms of, is there a lot of pressure involved in what you do? Honestly speaking, yeah. Sometimes there is a lot of pressure. There's sometimes a time crunch. I've had cases where we've initially thought, I'm pretty sure you maybe even for yourself as well, that we originally thought we had a few days, but then all of a sudden we are now have only a few hours mm. and things have changed. Um, so that can, in, in that sense, there's pressure. Because you're so, it's so screen facing and it's so detailed and minute, I guess, as well, in terms mm. of what you're doing. Is it, it sounds like a really random question, but like, what if you miss something? And I don't know that's necessarily for trailers, maybe it's a little bit less uh. important, but. I mean, I don't want to out you and you just say telling your stories about when you've done things wrong. But in those situations, what does happen? A lot of sweating <laughs> and panicking. <laughs> so going back to the online, online role, that's where the pressure also comes in. Because what you've mentioned is the things we got to catch out in online. Because mm. after that, it's public domain. After that, it goes out. So for example, let's just for this example's sake um let's say we finished a trailer and there was a random white flash that's not supposed to be there it was some sort of glitch or whatever but we finished the we finished it and sent out and then it was released on youtube or it went to theaters and it played on before the films that would cause serious issues and kind of ruin the relationship with the client because it's, it's part of the whole process of a post-production is to do the cue the cue scene the quality mm. check so jokes aside it's it's, it's a bit serious but yeah. it's um <laughs> i'm sure it doesn't happen very often but in in that situation actually would you then say there's a a, a glitch or something do they then re- i mean recall is not the right word but like do you have to recall the trailer or and then sort of fix it and then put it back out or is it now it's just out and that's it it's done i'm trying to think of this example but um i think it would be a scenario of re- resupplying the trailer because first of all we don't want that to exist and mm. we want to rectify that issue so uh, not saying this happened this is an example by the way no, no. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> just um yeah so we would definitely want to fix that um just because keep it professional and just the standards um the client should expect from us or yeah. any any sort of um, creative house unfortunately like as sharp and careful you got to be sometimes it, it's you do miss like very tiny details sometimes mm. i think it's just yeah, i guess it's just, it's just unfortunate um but it does happen time to time um just in terms of audio actually when it comes to music and stuff do you get a for a trailer i know it's very different because there's all these like dramatic sounds that are involved depending on the type of film it obviously is um whether yeah. it's music or some sound effects and stuff um your instruction in terms of putting that in is that do you get a brief is that all included in the brief that you've been given or do you get creative license with some of it a bit of both actually so sometimes we are given a particular track also it also depends on budget because music 
I didn't realize they can be very, very expensive mm. depending on what track and under what licenses you have to apply to it. So yeah, so we could get a music from a client and they will use this particular exact music. I think it normally happens with commercials actually. Um, they've already picked the soundtrack um, or they have a theme track for their show, whatever. And we get to use that. Um, and sometimes we've been given a brief and then the producer music supervisor and then the editor would kind of like collaborate amongst themselves and try to find a track. So the producer will give a rough idea of what kind of tracks we need to listen to to the music supervisor. The music supervisor will go out to um, different labels, talk to them, they'll send back samples and then the music supervisor will send it to the editor and then we will then kind of shortlist it out or pick the final song um, not saying it will be the final because everyone needs to be happy with it. So yeah. we would pick, and it does it does change time to time, um, especially if we're on a V twenty eight version of the trailer, for example. Like music changes time to time because um, obviously people do change their mind. But editors and music supervisors, kind of um, the producers, kind of lead take lead which music um, we pick, and then the music supervisor will license and get the right. Um, documents for it to be released or used in the trailer i see and um kind of more specifically when you're putting a trailer together say for a the action movie an action movie mm-hmm. where there's okay, i'm using that example because there's you usually associate that with a lot of sound effects and in terms yeah. of exactly like frame for frame because how does it work when you're sort of matching music bits of music to specific frames like where there's like something slow happening to then when there's something exciting happening so that's a good question so yeah so it's something i actually struggled with a lot at the beginning when i was still not struggle but it's something i'm still learning as well but it's definitely a challenge because it's all about the rhythm and the beats you gotta time it with action films you're looking at it depends also which how how heavy on the action you look um how heavy the action is as well because you've got this trend where you've got the the glitch the clock and all that little quick sound effects where you got a particular scene and the, the gun is um reloading then you've got missiles flying out and that so you've got to time uh-huh. that to the music bed so what would happen is you would roughly cut your music bed making sure it flows correctly the rhythms right there then you will slot in a bit of pictures and then if you can think of if you have an idea a creative idea where you can do it where you can do quick cuts with sound effects you would kind of roughly build that section with the music because you have make sure you're in time with the music beats and then you can slowly layer up one by one and then keep on building but it, it is a challenge um but i think over over years of practice it becomes slightly easier and you become much quicker at it as well I guess that lends nicely onto my next question, which is what are the, the challenges of your job? Challenges. So as we mentioned before, I think time sometimes is a challenge. And especially hearing the word ASAP kind of triggers me. <laughs> ASAP is it's a taboo word. <laughs> so I think challenges would be time sometimes is definitely a challenge. Um, there's apply a lot of pressure. And then I think that kind of hinders your creativity sometimes because um, then you're... I don't know if panic or because you're on time crunch, you can explore less options. So like if you have more time, you could go down one avenue, try out a particular style of cut, see if that works. If that doesn't, if that's not working, then you can try a different avenue and et cetera. But with the time, then you have to be very precise and careful which kind of style or kind of path you go down because then you kind of not stick to it, but make the most of it, make the best of it at least. Um, and then you hit a creative, creative wall sometimes just can't think of an original idea or can't think of something that will actually benefit the campaign or help 
vision the producer's um, idea or come make it alive that's sometimes a challenge um but that just requires more research and just seeing what's out there but yeah mm. also yeah. one of those are a few challenges um and what about the highlights of your job being able to see some of the contents two to one year in advance i would say that's definitely one of the highlights we've worked on a little bit like some really cool campaigns where we've had um We've worked on like a Deadpool, Deadpool 2 campaign, um, Dish Outdoor. So we've had our piece played on the Piccadilly Circus light boards outside oh. the station. So we've, so that kind of, those kind of small achievements are quite um, probably no, the highlights. No, so they're not small achievements. That's pretty cool. Millions of people see that. Um, yeah. Um, and then, yeah, I think another highlight was like if you work on a good um, trailer or a TV spot, like a TV um, spot or social campaign, and then people talk about it. I think there's like um, some sort of like pride you take in, like people be talking for years, up years coming. So yeah, I'd say that's kind of the highlights. Trailers can either induce you to watch something or they can put you off watching something because they're often your, if there's no hype around a film, say if it's mm-hmm. not the, you know, your average Marvel DC film where there's like, you know that even if you think it's going to be crap, you're going to go and watch it anyway because you're invested in this universe. If it's just a normal <laughs> film that's not a part of any universe, whatever, you watch a trailer to verify whether you're going to be interested in it or not. And it'll either put you yeah. off or it'll make you want to go and watch it. So actually the, your first port of call to that film or tv show whatever it is and they're actually quite important so and i didn't actually think of that when i started asking you questions and that explains the pressure but do you feel that pressure when you're editing something when you're when you're working on it do you think crap like now you've mentioned it (laughs) now now you mentioned it oh damn yeah yeah i I feel i feel the pressure now i think yeah definitely i yes bizarre i didn't really think of that way but you're right that is a lot of pressure because now now i'm thinking about it like you also for example if you're if the film is worth 200 million or whatever millions there is you're initially cutting a one one minute 30 two minute piece to sell that film mm. so like that's also now a pressure that you got to make sure you do a good job you're selling the such a high con- um, high value content mm. so i guess that could be pre- that could be pressure <laughs> <laughs> so i was like oh actually that's it's really interesting because there's probably a lot of psychology and a lot of work that goes on behind putting that yeah together it, it yeah it does i think that's why you also like like i was saying like the creativity you got to like um when i was saying earlier like you got to make sure what the audience is going to feel and what they want to see Mm-hmm. like introducing a setting like we even if it's for like half a second we can you would show a particular character that has made like made a return in, in the franchise for example to like kind of psychology like um bring the audience back in or like mm-hmm. trigger them back into the film and stuff like that like te- techniques are used there's certain techniques used to um to pull back or bring back audience into the franchise be invested invested into it again I know they've done it, done they've done that plenty of times in the Fast and Furious franchise. God, that's never so. ending. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um. That, yeah. I I've never actually thought about it. And actually, this conversation has made me really think about that. There's a there's a lot of that, like you say, sort of thought about how it will make the viewer feel. But yeah, no, it's, it's like some, it's it's like subconsciously is there in the mm. back of your head. I think because it becomes like the norm because it's kind of like it's what you have to do regardless. Non. Um, so it just happens. I think. Yeah. So we don't like, we don't actually really think about it, but. We just know it just has to happen. Just because obviously you mentioned you get to see quite a lot of things quite early on before everyone else, the layman, gets to see them. Is it hard to mm. keep secret? Definitely. <laughs> Definitely. Um, especially so when you when when I look at, for example, when a trailer is released much earlier than the film, I read the comment section and people are making their hypothesis on what the film is gonna be and this. 
And I'm like, mm, you're so wrong. You're <laughs> so wrong. Like, completely off. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's, it's hard to keep a secret, but it has to be done. This is part of the job. In terms of your actual working, then how do you begin? And are there multiple people working on one thing? Or is it uh, you've been given one specific project? Yeah, so um, other traded houses could be also being briefed as well. So normally, I think it varies time to time. But a few companies in LA, London could be given, let's just use um, Avengers as an example. Mm. Two, three trailer houses could be given the brief and they all produce um, a trailer or cut to show back to the client. They all would get paid for their work. But what would happen afterwards is they would either make a short list or they would narrow it down to one company. They kind of, the one avenue they like mm-hmm. and then carry on with that company to for the cuts and so on so it does it does happen it does um the same brief would go to multiple companies uh, okay. so it could it could be um like the hunger games sometimes i guess <laughs> but say for example with so we'll carry on with the avengers example say if y- your company won that brief mm-hmm. uh, won that job and um, then when it when you actually say you were given that job is it just you doing that um cut or is it then some once a, an editor sort of given it producers sort of made that creative decision behind it is it just you working on it or will you have other co-workers also sort of together you're working in tandem to make that trailer okay so it's related to this question but i'm gonna go back one question yeah so not only does the, the studio pick a few companies but when they do when it goes when it gets to the companies two three editors would cut up their own different versions so like each company could um, send the um, studio two three different styles of the trailer so when it comes uh. to that stage so three editors could be working on different different angles of the trailer. So in the beginning, it's quite like um, if they have the budget and time, then it could more than one person could be cutting the trailer to explore different um, avenues, different narratives. And just obviously each um, person has their own different creative styles. So that could be also a play. And the producer does pick kind of who kind of leads or takes these briefs because they would know what kind of style what kind of um, experience their particular editor has and what they've done in the past I'm gonna go back to your beginnings and ask how did you get into what you do oh okay so <laughs> so I actually didn't study um, anything film related it was something that I kind of took interest during my fin- final year project so I studied multimedia design so that was loads of HTML5 coding flash which I think is ex- extinct now that kind of stuff and then finally it was um i could pick what i wanted to do what kind of um, kind of field i can look into so i looked into film industry and post-production kind of area so yes yeah, so i picked up a few in um, intern roles hustled for those did do some corporate stuff corporate videos and stuff like that and then i met someone that introduced me to the current my current place and then when i joined there i joined a very technical role where it's what we call the heart of the buildings where all anything that comes in and out of the building goes through through that department because of security protocols and all the measures we're going to take so in that role i learned um, everything from what i know now um, from the technical to the creative how to cut um, some of the softwares um, some of the technical terminology all that stuff learned more or less than the company i'm currently at but yeah that's how i started Ah, and did you find it quite challenging because you didn't, I mean, not to say that I think a lot of people in our industry didn't necessarily study what they end up doing. I mean, not many people in the world do generally. Actually, what you learn at university can be quite different to what you actually physically end up doing in your in your career. Um, was it quite hard, though, especially because it's so technically heavy? 
Um, personally, I did find it hard because I knew nothing about the business, first mm-hmm. of all, or how it operates um, and all the skills and stuff. It was, I had to learn on the job and something in my own time. So in that sense, it was difficult. Um, like I'm still learning because like it's, it's all, you're always um, trying, to, trying to create something better than your last work or try to compete with what's already out there. So it's difficult in that sense, for sure. Ah, and then you were saying sort of, I know you mentioned, you just mentioned it now and actually earlier, you were saying research and stuff. What, what do you, apart from uh, watching things that are currently out or have been out in the, in the past, what what are you looking at to sort of further your creativeness in that way or, yeah, your research process, I guess? Research process. So obviously, like you said, watching. Mm-hmm. Um, Instagram, <laughs> Instagram plays a massive role when it comes to social media campaigns so we also like work on social media campaigns and mm. tv can tv campaigns with social campaigns it's very creative driven because you need to catch the viewer's attention within the probably first five seconds otherwise yeah. they'll just scroll, scroll past so we've got to think of ways of um, engaging with the audience like whether we have some sort of graphical element at the beginning that introduces spot or we have like a nice wide shot or something that looks very pleasing you've got to think of ways of engaging the audience so with um, landscape graphics particular line in the film that catches your attention straight away so stuff like that and then normally look for what kind of trends um, are going on as well like what are the people doing so obviously be watching the, the trailers the tv spots and social campaigns sometimes you'd see there's some there's a particular trend sometimes a studio have, in the last six months have stuck with a certain trend because they may like like that kind of trend so we kind of replicate that by in our own way and then just in terms of say you've done your um you've put together your trailer for whatever it is and then you mentioned a pipeline and what what happens to it afterwards so the workflow would be we get the film from the studio mm-hmm. it would go to the producers within the trailer house then it will be sent to a dub room or control room which is the heart of the building where all the content comes in and out of the building. They will download all the assets, prepare all the uh, materials. Then assistant assistant editor will um, prep. Prep is get all ready, like with the audio channels and the pictures all fine, everything's okay. Then it will go to editor. They will cut the versions. Producers will send it out. And then once, how many versions after afterwards, they, we get a final lock. Mm-hmm. It will go to an online editor. Um, at the same time, it will also go to a audio mixer. So they will polish mm-hmm. the audio for us. And then the online editor will focus on the picture. If it requires any grading, catching any sort of um, technical elements like dupe frames I mentioned before, where the frame repeats itself or there's some sort of white glitch. And then depending also where it goes. So if it's going on t- broadcast, UK broadcast or uh, television, it has a certain amount of rules, like color, like flashing and all that kind of stuff. So um, the online editor will make sure the certain limiters are applied um, for it to be broadcast legal. Same thing with audio. The audio engineer will look into the audio and make sure it's there was a correct for the for broadcasting. And then once that's all come together, we'll quality check the quick time on the video, make sure it's all nice and polished. And then once everyone's happy, it goes out. Ah, and then it's there for the likes of me to see. And then, yeah, for you to judge. Do you ever watch anything you've done? I mean, I obviously don't want to dob you in, but like, because um, you're see- I-, I guess also you're seeing it on quite small. Are you watching it on relatively small screens? You're not seeing it on like a theatre size screen when you're working on it. Oh, um, 
so when I'm working on it, mm-hmm. not um, just a normal screen. But when we have, I've nicely worked on a theatrical piece. But if it's a trailer that's working theatrically, means it's going to go into theaters and play on a theater size screen. So what would happen during the finishing finishing stage, which is the online stage, they would go to a post production facility where they have a slightly larger screen. Ah, okay. And then the editor that cut the trailer um, and the online editor would go and check it out. It's all nice. Looks all good. Ah. Big screen. Yeah. It, um, th- but that is, it's, you're also going to be careful because I think each monitor um, screen and projectors, they have like different color space. When you, when it comes to um, color grading, you're going to be making sure. So like we have a special monitor at work where it is quite accurate in terms of the color you would see on a normal TV screen. So yes, there's some some sometimes there's special monitors for certain certain things where it's going to be shown because, like I said, color space can differ screen to screen. Before you sort of started working this field, did you think it was very different to what it is? Did you have a very different idea to what it would be versus what it is? Oh yeah, definitely. I thought it was all glam and um, good life, but it was <laughs> definitely hard work. There is a bit of glam. Like I know, I know that initially when I first before the pandemic, went to a few premieres, the red carpet events. Um, That's cool. So that was nice but yeah it's um it's definitely like some, something that people um lots of people want to get into because obviously at the end of the day it's film people enjoy film and people want to people think they'll meet actors uh, i remember coming across on that oh, do you meet actors all the time like i don't meet actors all the time it doesn't happen <laughs> some of my producers have met some of the actors but those are rare occasions as well but yeah yeah i mean i get that actually fair enough Oh, and what's, what do you like to work on? What's, if someone was like, okay, this is what you get to work on for the rest of your life or the foreseeable future, what would it be? Good question. I'm recently kind of getting to, been taking, um, doing a lot of um, game trailers um, in the game market, which is growing year by year, where now they have like competitions and stadiums for them and whatnot. I think it, it would be, so social front for films and trailers for games. That's interesting, actually. So for, I agree with the games market is growing from what I hear. But um, in regards to the social aspect of films, what is there a massive difference between how you would cut, obviously apart from length um, mm-hmm. of the actual thing, is there a difference between one for a social campaign versus one for like that's going to be broadcast somewhere, on, whether it be in a theatre or on television screen? Yeah. For the same so film, say. Yeah. So sometimes, sure. let's, let's say, for example, we have a 30-second TV spot which will play on a TV, normal TV show advert. That same exact same ad can be played on social media platforms like YouTube. But when I, when I, when I talk about social campaigns, like I mean where they specifically tailored it for Instagram, Facebook or Snapchat, where now you've got to consider the frame size. So each, each platform has their own different frame size and then each platform has their own different duration of um, how long each pod can play for so you definitely gotta think differently when it comes to social campaigns because as i mentioned before you gotta you need to catch the viewer's attention straight away otherwise they will scroll past or they will skip so yeah so those those kind of things definitely definitely uh, match uh, definitely different are different so that brings me on to my final question which is what are your three to watch recommendations so one of them would be peaky blinders <gasps> so good i'm on board um this one is a much older one but it's white collar you've never seen that it's about a con man that helps an fbi agent solve other white collar crimes to avoid jail time but he has his own ulterior motive while helping the fbi and the third one is more recent one um and surprisingly 
caught my attention is the Queen's Gambit. <gasps> so good, isn't it? It's amazing. Love yeah, it. So good. Were you into chess before you watched it? <laughs> no, wasn't See, into chess. I wasn't either. So I would, was going in thinking. So anyway, you tell me why you think it's good because it's not about me. Sorry. Go on. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. Um, so, like I like you like I said, I was not into chess before, but it kind of engages you and makes you think. And after watching the show, I did actually look into some of the particular moves they did, try to do some research and how it actually works. But I think it was the narrative and I think the characters itself kind of driven the show. I think chess on its own is not exactly everyone's cup of tea, but yeah. I think they've definitely um, visually and um, narratively pushed that aspect of chess but yeah I've, I've, enjoyed, I've totally enjoyed it um no i agree with you it was really really interesting thank you jamin for your recommendations and thank you for coming on the podcast it's really interesting to learn what you do no worries my pleasure thank you for listening and i hope you enjoyed my conversation with jamin tune into the next episode where i'll be speaking to head of costume props and jewelry lorenzo mancianti and if you get a moment could you please like follow or subscribe on your podcast platform and follow the crew chats podcast on instagram thank you